This is the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform that brings the Nordic tech community together. My name is Sean Hughes. I connect businesses with freelance tech solutions, and I'm your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mika Salander, Vlada Wester and Edwin Lee on the first episode of our new fintech series. Today's episode will take a deep dive into finding the key to growth, particularly within fintech. So before we jump into the topic itself, uh, let's work our way around the room with some um, introductions. So Vlada, do you want to go first? Yes, absolutely. Um, hi all, my name is Vlada. Uh, my background is in product management. Uh, this year it's 10 years that I have had different product titles and currently I work for Deconomy uh, as a product strategist. That's me. Thanks. Thanks, Lada. Uh, we'll come to you, Edwin, next. Hi, everyone. I'm Edwin. Um, I am currently working in Lendo as the UX design lead, and I've been working with UX product and innovation for about nine years now. So very happy to be here. Thanks, Edwin. And finally, last but not least, uh, with his introduction, Mika. Thank you, and uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Mika Salander, and uh, for the last seven years, I've been the CEO of a fintech company called Ancon. I exited that company last year and moved over to Northmill as an external CEO. Uh, and I left that company just a couple of weeks ago uh, to found my own uh, marketing agency, where we focus on helping uh, fintech companies grow with the performance marketing. So really nice to be here. It's a great room to talk about the topic today. Um, we've got the economy and Lendo, uh, growing companies. Um, and Mickey, who's grown some companies and now looking to grow uh, another one all by himself. So now that we've established a context to each of you, let's jump into the topic in focus, shall we? Um, you all have a question or a statement on the topic, which is finding the key to growth in fintech. As usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question or your statement and the reasons behind it. Each of you will then have the opportunity to give your take, your insights on the given situation. Um, and then we'll go back to the original question or sta statement maker for um, some some comments. We'll work our way around the room in a conversational matter. Uh, so, Vlada, we will come to you first again. Um, that's how it's fallen on my on my document here. So uh, no favorability here, but um, it certainly looks like that, doesn't it? So, Vlada, you wanted to ask um, growing as a company often means the founders stepping away from hands on product management and design. How do you as a founder handle this change and how do product and design departments grow without losing touch to the original product vision? So that's the question in, in well, that's the question in question uh, here for Vlada. Can you tell me a little bit more about where this has come from, where what the context is behind your question? Yeah, when I was asking this question, I, of course, was thinking of uh my own experience too of working with startups and when I hang out with a community startup community that is very big in uh, Stockholm then I can hear this pain going through very many people's professionals lives that either they are founders who really feel like they need to transfer their vision to someone else and I can see that they are scared of doing that because this is their little baby this is what we do to to our ideas right we start to idealize them a little bit 
And uh, then there are people on the other side of this, right? Those who are trying to scale it up and try to take care of those ideas and to grow those products. And of course, those people are bound to leave some type of footprint into this idea, right? You take an idea from a founder and you make it your own. That's how you scale it. And of course, that cannot be completely smooth pro process. So that's why I thought maybe it's going to be very interesting to listen to Mike, who is experienced as a founder now, and also to Edwin, who takes care of a very sensitive part which is design, which is like the heart of the product. It's certainly a perfect question for the for the two guys that we've got in the room today. So we'll, we'll head to you first, Mickey. Um, what's your take on this? Any insights? <laughs> I've done all the mistakes, Vlada, uh, regarding this topic. Uh, so for the first uh, episode of my entrepreneurial career, I was uh, the CEO of Ancon, and also I was the CPO. I was doing all the... Uh, wireframes. I was so connected with the with the product, and actually, I left the sales part of the company and just focused on product, product, product because that was like the heart of the product company. You know, um, in retrospect, I can see that I should spend more on sales, maybe on that company. So when I left uh, and entered Northmill, actually, I focused only on sales and I had no connection on the product which was not good also because I was so disconnected to the heart of the company, you know, which is the product. So I don't, I would say like during my experience, uh, some Pareto principle, maybe 80-20, you should be like 20% focus on the product and actually be hands-on with it. And then you can focus on the scale up, but you should never as a founder leave the product. That is maybe what I'm trying to say. Thanks, Mickey. We'll head over to Edwin now. So from the design perspective, what are your insights on Vlad's question? Yeah, I think this is a very interesting question. Well, I haven't been a founder myself, so I right. But uh, uh, from a design perspective, I, I have, you know, recently now I'm, I'm also a manager as well to the design team. So obviously that I won't be able to be as hands-on as I was before. So you know, it's, it's, it's quite hard, you know, because given, you know, me, I like to go into the nitty gritty. Uh, so one thing for me is to learn how to let go. But also one thing that, that we do and I do right now with my team and also the whole Lando is that, that we use OKRs, right? Objectives and key results. So to not lose sight of the vision, we want to cascade, translate the vision into team OKRs so that we make sure that we still have the big picture. But then you got to trust your team members to deliver what the product vision is. So for me, I think that is key actually because you know you don't want to be micromanaging at the same time so so that that's a fine balance that that, that you know i have to find between you know uh, being really perfectionist in, in going down to the detail or just keeping it high level so i think i think this is this comes in in you know leadership skills as well like you know you, you got to balance that and, and not not put too much on, on on one or the other so I, I would say that, you know, at least at Lando, we have, you know, been doing quite well by translating uh, vision into team objectives and key results and actually have quarterly review and actually look at where we are and then adjust it. And, you know, we got to be agile uh, in this, you know, day and time, you know, day and age, you know, right now things are happening rapidly and we have to adapt really fast. So you might have a vision that, that, that works maybe five years ago. But then you know we're changing fast and there's new trends, so you got to keep up with that as well. Um, so I so I think you know being agile, you know having good vision to translate into key objectives and and key results. I think that to me that's that's important um, for company. I'd say. Thanks, Edwin. Mickey, you've got some swat. Oh, you just on mute there still, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would like to return the question to you, Vlada, and Edwin, just to ask you, how do you, 
handle the situation when a crazy founder with a lot of energy come in and uh, you know interfere with your work as a UX designer or product manager product manager where you have your roadmap and so on uh, how do you balance that yeah you know i think uh, i would just support what edwin was saying i actually also found my solution in cascading goal setting and specifically in OKRs and i think the whole concept there is to first of all me myself as a manager i have to understand where basically the vision starts where it ends and what exactly are the parts where I'm delegating things down. And basically, I have to coach my founder in the same thing. So in some sense, I come to my founder and I say, hey, we both will have to go one abstraction level up. If you want a specific thing, try to describe it in less specific. And imagine that you are trying to describe it to someone through a very bad connection. So you are not going to get what exactly the exact thing that you imagine. Like that is not possible, right? Because like that's how our brains work. We reinterpret things and product ends up to be something a little bit else. So find the most important essence of it, boil it down to a more abstract concept and tell us and then let us be free and of course that is not a very comfortable conversation and that is where where it's very important to establish good connection and to be able to have this meta conversation a little bit about how we work how we think and where we are right because being super specific with your vision and having like focus basically having the tunnel vision is a great thing when you are like three four people but what if you are 50 then it becomes impossible because you cannot align 50 people as well as you can align four people yeah yeah and i, I think for me um i mean fortunately i i don't have a, a ceo <laughs> that comes to me and asking this question on the other hand i would actually appreciate it though you know sometimes you find this this barrier with like if you have a, in a big company that you know you have so much you know hierarchy and then you know the ceo may not actually yes hands on and actually go down to the detail so i would actually appreciate if, if the ceo or the founder would come to me and ask yeah. him this question yeah. to sum up my experience i really think as you say edwin a ceo EO should be a part of the product development in a product company otherwise it would be super weird yeah definitely okay, and, and and i, Sorry, and I think that yeah, and I think that if um, you know, if, if the, of course, if the founder or the CEO comes to me with some unusual request, you know, I would definitely challenge him or her. You know, like where does this come from, right? I mean, you know, what what is the bigger problem we're trying to solve? Uh, you know, like you know, I may be working from five thousand feet, you know, from the ground, and then he should be like in ten thousand, twenty thousand feet, where it's looking at the big picture, where you know, like I should translate his vision into what I do every day, uh, instead of like him coming into a two to my level and then try to solve the nitty-gritty stuff, uh, I would say. Yeah. Okay, we'll swing it straight back to you, Edwin, because I think your um, your question's quite a nice segue from, from Vladas. And your question was, how do you stay innovative to test new ideas um, and be ahead of the curve while maintaining core products and current business? So it's almost the next step um, from being hands-on as a, as a founder or a CEO and, and how do you sort of innovate and move on to the next phase? So tell us a bit more about your question yeah definitely so when i came with this question it's it's i would say it's not a struggle something that i've seen like a common pattern throughout the years you know when you have a startup when you have an idea that works really well and then it becomes your you know your core business your core products and it's so easy for us to just keep you know improving and trying to uh, grow with the same same type of product uh, or business so to speak and you know as as we know the world is changing fast you know it's also for me it's it's important to to also keep an eye on you know the trends and and looking at at, at things and how the market is is, is is changing 
So it's just curious uh, for, for, for me to know like how Vlada and what Mika's um, opinion is, you know, how, how do you work with this to, to, to always stay on top of the game and, and try to be, you know, stay competitive uh, in the market. Vlada, we'll come to you first. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that is very often very valuable is to just be curious about the industry that you work in. So it's good to have a habit of just casually reading the news of whatever industry you are working for, right? Because you can suddenly find some inspiration. You can find that maybe there is a new regulation coming in and like no one will notify you unless you are just keeping yourself up to date with what is going on on the horizon. So be casually curious. That would be probably my like tip number one. And then, of course, there is pro a process that you can build up a little bit in the company to make sure that you experiment quite a lot. So if you have your one vertical that is working quite well and that is your main revenue source, then maybe you don't want to interfere and just like screw the roadmap, whatever you have planned, let's just try to experiment something. Maybe it makes sense to have this like other maybe smaller team that does something that builds something very unstable, very like, you know, fluffy, very experimental and see, does it fly? Does it have an interest? basically of maybe several important customers or several important partners and if it does then someone else takes care of basically scaling it up so having some type of like experimentation and validation process is good and sometimes it's a nice idea maybe to have it in two separate teams of course if you sort of have the right process in place you could also do it so that like the two teams are doing it at the same time that also is possible okay yeah, that's uh, really nice, Vlada. I agree. And I think like this is a very important topic. And uh, as you grow the company, it's getting more and more important because in the start, you can ex uh, experiment with a lot of stuff and it's happy days, you know, but then when you scale up your company, you easily forg forget this. So I think you need to have a structure in the company where you involve the entire company into innovation. You should be an innov innovative uh, company. So you, you need to have some kind of structure and you can take this together with education as well. You know, you educate your staff in different topics and then you experiment around it and so on. So this absolutely need to be on the agenda. It's cost, it, it drives cost, but it's worth it, you know. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. We'll swing back to Edwin here. Any final comments before we move on to the final question of today's episode? Yeah, I think I agree with both of you, right? I think innovation is key uh, and I think that despite you know having a profitable core products i think you still need to spend you know a, a, a sizable amount of effort time and resources to look into innovation uh, you know typically i would say like 20% like 80% working on the core product and 20% you would spend whether it's a separate team or the same team but i think the effort should be there in order to keep looking out for new you know new business model new revenue streams or complements that that actually you know that that supports your your current business as well. So I think I think both of you have uh, shared the same opinion as, as as I have. Okay, Mika, you wanted to add something to this? Yeah, I'm just curious, like uh, Vlad and Edwin, like uh, on your previous companies and where you are right now. Do you experiment uh, today, or is this on the agenda? Yeah. So uh, for my current company, we do have uh, you, you know right now Lendo. We are known for um, a comparison website or a loan broker. But you know that's actually not you know our vision is our mission is actually to empower people uh, to make smart finance decisions. So you know having our current product is just a mean or a, a first step to to make that happen. So because of this this mission that we have, we are actually looking into new new types of services to to provide for people. 
you know, regarding the finance. So I'm, I, you know, I'm very happy and very fortunate to, to be in my company and also part of this, this journey. And as for my previous company, I was actually a consultant <laughs> uh, uh, with the McKinsey and the design agency. So, so most of my work is, is strategic. So, so I would say 100% of my work are actually looking into new services and, and, and new products. So, so for me, that's for me that's fun and I think it's important. Yeah, with my work experience, I'm uh, lucky to have tried actually two sort of innovation styles. One was where you put the customer problems in the center. So you, you actually go out, you do lots of interviews, and then you figure out that, oh, so our product today serves this purpose and it solves one type of problem to these type of customers but they also have sort of a neighboring problem that is close enough to us so why don't we introduce a new vertical and do something about that so that is like the innovation that appears basically out of customer pain right so the customers more or less have requested something or have very clearly signified that there is an unsolved problem and we are like hey this is an area where we also have the expertise so we could offer something and then another style of innovation that i also have tried is when you actually go sort of product first so maybe you're so much ahead of the curve that you are doing a product that the customers haven't made any clear signals that that's what they need they maybe don't even know what problem that something that they have is even a problem so they think that this is how life is and then you are like hey but it actually doesn't sound good so i could solve it and then you have the product first and then you see okay are they are they inspired by it or not and i think it's very nice to sort of exercise these both muscle groups you know try both styles because both of them can yield very good results but one is a little bit riskier i think that this type of product innovation first can be slightly riskier uh, because you are not so sure that this will basically fly but then i think it's also high risk high reward exactly that that is what they will write books uh, around yeah yeah about yeah <laughs> edwin you wanted to add something yeah, no, I, I totally agree with, uh, and I like that uh, you mentioned about this uh, customer pain point because that's really close to my heart, you know, as a designer, uh, uh, doing interviews, doing ethnography research and really understanding customer pain point. And, and to your point where, you know, like product and versus like knowing customer problem, because sometimes customers don't know what they want, right? I mean, they just talk about what they have and what they're facing right now, but they may not know something new that could, could actually solve something that they had never thought of. So I would say that even this one, we could solve or we could discover from, from interview, you know, like we shouldn't just take what they say blindly. We should actually try to interpret, you know, what kind of problems that they have as well. And that is why like having like ethnographic research, it's so important. It's not, it's something that is more than an interview, right? You actually try to understand and shadow their daily lives, you know, what they their daily struggle. So we don't just think of the product. Okay. We go to the website, they go to this, this is just the customer journey. We need to think holistically who is our customer? Like, what are they facing? What are the psycho? graphic profile, what are the you know, motivation behind. So I think, I think those things are key to actually find out like the golden nuggets, as we call it, uh, uh, without like things are not so obvious, but actually it's somewhere there uh, within the dialogue that, that you have. Lada? Yeah, I guess, you know, just one thing to add to what you Edwin, were saying is that it's like this famous example with faster horses, right? Sometimes customers definitely ask you for faster horses and you are like, hey, but, but I have a car for you. But sometimes they actually like ask for a faster car and then you don't have the next step yet. The technology is not there or something is not there. And you're like, well, okay, then I actually have to deliver them the faster car. And I think that the art of good product innovation is a little bit about understanding when actually they're asking for something reasonable and you can more or less quite literally listen to them and be like, 
Yeah, exactly. If we just do that. So there is a simple solution. And sometimes there is no simple solution or you just have something so cool to offer that no one will ask for it. And like knowing where the difference is, is the key. Thanks, guys. Really great insights into um, innovation in product and product has been the underlying um, theme throughout this conversation. Um, so I think that segues perfectly to Mika's final question, um, which is product Product-led growth, what's your experience? How have you found um, growing an organisation through product? Mika, um, give us a back background onto that yeah. and then we'll head on to Edwin. Yeah, and I will like slightly adjust the question actually, because like now we've been talking about product, 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 and that's good because as we said, it is the heart of the product company. But if we, as I see it, you can grow a company, you have three different areas where you can, how you can grow it. You have the product. If you do a really, really good product, that will get uh, you referrals and you can have like a mechanism in the product that give you more customers. That's one way. Then you have the classic sales. You have outreach, sales, cold calling, sales reps, you know. So you have product, you have sales. And then, of course, you have the inbound marketing, performance marketing. You know, you spend one million and you get leads and customers worth five million back. So that's three areas how you can grow your company. With your experience, what what have you been working on and what can you see work and not work and how have you spent your time and energy on your previous companies and on your current company no Edwin, we'll head to you first yeah sure um yeah i think this is an interesting uh, dilemma <laughs> i would say i think if i talk about um the needs right i think it all comes from what you know what kind of need you have so from my experience like for instance inbound marketing like you know make, working with uh, content working with like personalized email uh, that kind of stuff i think that works really well for a b2c type of product you know because like normal consumer have the power to make decisions if your product is something that could be used by everyday you know people so so for me that you know a lot of people seek for inspiration people seek for advisory so I think that type of inbound marketing really works well for, for a consumer. But when you talk about sales, I think sales, you know, it's usually not my preferred way because, you know, people say product should sell itself, but, but honestly, it does, it's not always true. <laughs> uh, so I think like when it comes to sales, I think this works really well for B2B because, you know, be like selling a software, for instance, as a product, as a software as a service, you know, because a lot of things are hidden in the in the in the B two B industry. So not everything is is visible out there. And even if you do amazing websites, you know not everybody either get to see or you know not everybody has the decision making power. You know usually it's like just like you know people have like LinkedIn reach out, hey, I have this software. Do you think a company could use? It? But but I'm not the one who makes this decision. So in that case, sales would work well if they find the right people to target. Um, while you know inbound marketing it's just something that really great to put it out there you know to create a more buzz and generate word of mouth so to me that that really depends on on what kind of need you have what kind of product you have and what kind of outreach you want to target so uh, so I, I don't really have an answer of, of what works better i guess it depends on, on context and, and the strategy that you have. yeah i think you have a very good point there Edwin, about the uh, complexity of the product right because in b2b very often these are more complex products uh, and just spreading them by word of mouth or just like making the product engaging like it just doesn't it just doesn't work 
first of all, it could be a very complicated thing that this product solves. Like if you're selling a security product, it can be pretty hard to make it like, oh yeah, it's so easy. Just everyone can come and do that because like, no, you actually need special skills, right? So like, I think the complexity of the area that the product addresses is one thing. And uh, another thing is actually the adoption curve. So I think some things become a little bit more of a commodity. So if you are, I don't know, if you are building a messaging tool for corporate, like everyone needs it, everyone knows it, maybe that is much easier to spread through word of mouth. But um, yeah, but if you're doing something a little bit more complex, maybe it wouldn't work that well. So I would sort of see how, again, how technologically challenging is it? And not only technologically, but how much expertise does one need to actually make use of this product? It's a great answer. We'll throw it back to Mika for um, some comments. What do you think? to what the guys have said. Yeah, it's, it's a good uh, good feedback and good uh, good comments. And I will say, like, what I can see when I talk to different companies and how I've acted myself is that a lot of companies, like, they focus on one or the other. Like, we should grow with our product, will help us grow, or we will have a big sales department, or we will focus a lot of marketing. But if you can get all these three areas to work, then you have a really good way of growing your business. So... That is like my tip to everyone. Don't forget to to build a fantastic product, have an amazing sales team, and get your inbound marketing in order. Well, then then you have a rocket ship. Yeah, and then come come to you for some uh, some inbound marketing and, and and sales. Boom, Sean. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Little plug there for Zazi Agency. Uh, keep an yeah, eye out. Good stuff. <laughs> Okay, guys, well, we'll leave it there um, for today. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast, and I want to take the opportunity to to thank the three guys, Mika, Edwin, and, and Vlada, for providing incredible insights into the topic today, and, and thank you all for listening. If anyone's listening and would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, please do reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at sean.hughes at evolution-nordics.com. A little shameless plug for myself there as well as for Mika. Um, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time.